Good evening, everyone. I am your host, Jason Miles, and welcome to another episode of This is Revolution Podcast. Thank you all for joining us this evening. Before we start, if you're new to the channel, please hit subscribe and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you are alerted whenever we go live. We're constantly adding cross streams with other channels and adding new shows. For frequent viewers of the show, as you know, our last two free Saturday shows have been fire. But alas, YouTube has deemed them too hot for the internet. They said even after uh, an actual physical review, we can't run ads on the show, making them practically unable to be monetizable. That said, if you enjoy what we do here at TIR and don't want to make the yearly or monthly commitment, show your support with revolutionary merch. MT, can you uh, bring up on the screen the merch real quick? Oh, there it is. There it is. Oh, who can't get enough of Pascal, Cuba, and Lennon on a shirt or a mug or a mouse pad? Right? Right? Thank you to all the patrons and YouTube and Twitch subscribers here. You guys are the oh-so-important cogs in the TIR machine. If you'd like to be part of what we do here, have access to all the call-in segments of the show. Uh, and I had a lot of fun last Thursday doing the call-in segment. Was it Thursday we did it, MT, or Tuesday? Um, I don't remember. Thursday? I'm just gonna lie and say Thursday. Yeah. We're gonna do we're gonna do a call-in segment again this evening. So if you want to be part of that fun and be part of movie night, there's only one way. Become a patron. You get access to the exclusive champagne room. Or as low as three dollars a month or thirty dollars for the year, it can all be yours. All that being said. Let's bring in the Tuesday night crew. Please welcome my homie, my dog. My best friend, my best Haitian friend. All those applause for Haiti. The man of the Mau Mau Hour. He is the Pascal Robert. Peace and greetings to the chat. Peace and greetings to the audience. Peace and greetings, Jason Miles. How are you this fine evening? Doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, you got your new mic stand? Uh, yes, yes. Your villa looks gorgeous. I know. <laughs> your chateau. Speaking of chateau villa living, she's living in a fancy loft in somewhere in New York City. She is the Headless, faceless voice of reason. The M2 song. Hello, hello, everyone. This is correct. I live in the loft that the original real world was filmed in. I call it the for real world because it's not the real world if you don't pay rent. Somebody said to Pascal, move to Coconut Grove. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all never saw Pascal's uh, house? They think it's full of books. No, it's full of champagne. Champagne dreams. Champagne dreams. And pool water. <laughs> and cool water. Your house smells like cool water. Cool water and pool and pool water. Mm-hmm. I like it better if your house smelled like cool water in Drakkar. Drakkar, oh, <laughs> Drakkar was like the, the cologne of the eighties, nineties, late eighties, early nineties. Just you just walking past. Drakkar was like the brothers were rocking the Drakkar, and then there was Juke, bro. Juke. Yes, I do remember Juke. Rocking Juke. Oh my god! Oh my god! Tucson, do you remember Juke? I don't remember Juke. I remember Jakar Noir. I bet you do. Jakar Noir was, yeah. A lot of Haitian yeah. cats went into Jakar Noir. But this is the Cologne. Oh, yes. 
It's good. <laughs> I yeah, I I remember uh, one Christmas, uh, one aunt, you know, sadly passed away. Got Dracar Noir for me and my my cousin. We thought we were a real deal adults, and I think it was a Dracar aftershave, and we were we were like twelve years old, and it was. That before Home Alone? I think that was actually before Home Alone. And I remember us trying to shave because we got like a shave thing with like this Dracar aftershave and just burnt the shit out of my face. I remember. Go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. You go ahead. I remember White Diamonds out around the same time. You remember that, Elizabeth Taylor? Yes, Elizabeth Taylor White. Because that was the era of all those commercials. You remember those commercials, Pascal? Those like really risque, like the Calvin Klein commercials and stuff. Right. right, right. That's when that's when Pascal was knee deep into uh, into uh, black nationalism. I was. I was black nationalist. Pascal was smelling like Egyptian musk back then. <laughs> Just incense all over the house. Incense, yep. body oil, black soap. That is correct. I'll tell you a story real quick about Jamaica Avenue. Um, <laughs> so there was a time, I don't know what it's like now, but there was a time when there was a man for everything. There was a deodorant man. There was a black soap man. There was also a perfume man. So I'd be walking down the street with my friends after school going to the bus terminal and this dude would just grab your hand and then it would be drenched in in some kind of liquid. (laughs) And then he would look at you and go, white diamonds. (laughs) He had drenched his hands in white diamonds. Yes. And poured it all over your hands. Now you smell like an old white woman and Macy's. You smell like all of Macy's. Macy's. <laughs> like the inside of every grandmother's purse. It really is. Oh man. You have to try to wash it off. You would you would hold your hand out like it was radioactive and try to touch your friends and they'd run away. Yes. Those Damn, the you smell like hard candy and fucking AARP catalogs. <laughs> White diamonds. Hard candy and AARP catalogs. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Where there's original. Just for that that joke, we're getting demonetized. (laughs) (laughs) Like when when I when I showed you guys those those messages, you know, before we even get to the intro of the show. Uh, we were really proud of the last two Saturday shows that we were able to put together and the numbers were really good. And then to get that message from YouTube, like, yeah, we're going to demonetize. We're like, why? Like, nah, yeah, I think we said Jew too much. Like, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Like, what, do, what are we... Say what you, the doctor was. I'm not going to say what the doctor was. I'm not going to say what the doctor was. <laughs> oh that man is special oh. oh god so yeah that's that was very upsetting to have two of our best shows actually three i lied the last three saturday shows yeah so yes. we can no longer talk about the chosen people oh, the haitians <laughs> <laughs> That's what Haitian means. Yes, European, <laughs> they're just European Haitians. We will no longer discuss European Haitians. European Haitians. <laughs> no, my brother. No. <laughs> Damn it! I gotta keep all that up. That's a special one. That's the that's the that's the champagne room one. I oh. <laughs> no, my brother. <laughs> I, I have the soundboards broken down for like the champagne room because there's just so many bad words on the champagne room one. So true. But the main ones that everyone loves is on the main show one, which also has the N word, which doesn't demonetize us. Yeah. So, so, they say, 
dude, there's episodes I was like, and they were just like, yeah, oh, I know, fine. I was on them. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, I was on them. You are. Okay. I prepared a thought experiment. I don't really like thought experiments, mm-hmm. um, but I prepared one. A thought experiment for you, good people. If you're walking in a park and see a shallow pond where you are surprised to see what looks like a child playing in the pond, but the more you look into this pond, that child once thought to be playing is not playing, but is in fact drowning. But before attempting to go in to save the child, you realize that you're wearing your good shoes. And you ask yourself the question, is this kid really worth saving? I mean, you're rocking your Yeezys. These are rare and can fetch a fortune on the secondary market. Even more so now with Adidas canceling, yay. I mean, if that kid is drowning and there are no parents around, how good was this kid anyway? Maybe this is like some omen situation and the parents realize they adopted the spawn of Satan and this is some sort of baptism savior for all of mankind. What if I told you we are all in this predicament? We're all afraid to ruin our nice shoes and save a drowning child. Millions of children die a year from preventable diseases and hunger. And if we just donate the right way, we can kind of really solve problems like the mortality of impoverished children. Welcome to the world of effective altruism. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She's a strange lady, but okay. I'm all trying to be... (laughs) I meant to do this. Big difference. That is a big effing difference. Effective altruism, or EA for short, is more or less a new spin on utilitarianism. The understanding that an action is right insofar as it is it promotes happiness and the greatest happiness of the greatest number should be the guiding principle. EA has made the news of late due to the tanking of one of the biggest names in crypto, Sam Bankman Fried. SBF was the head of FTX, a cryptocurrency exchange. SBF is another Elizabeth Holmes if you remember, was billed as a young world-saving entrepreneur in the vein of Steve Jobs, who revolutionized the medical industry. She was a fraud, a true grifter in every sense of the word. And much like Holmes, SBF was doing good by doing good and was able to get wonderfully written puff pieces about his dedication to making the world a better place through a hands-off approach to crypto markets. The more freedom to make risky investments or create Ponzi schemes, the more money people like SBF can donate the proper way to charitable causes. From an article in the BBC, since the 30-year-old's cryptocurrency empire collapsed this week in dramatic fashion, another anecdote about his gaming has resurfaced online. Oh, also, uh, this gentleman, SBF, was known for playing video games while having massive meetings with investors and the press. According to a blog post from venture capital giant Sequoia Capital, Mr. Bankman Fried played an intense League of Legends battle during a high-level video call with their investment team. It didn't seem to put them off at all, though. The group proceeded to invest $210 million in Mr. Bankman Fried's company, FTX. This week, Sequoia Capital deleted that gushing blog post and announced it is now writing off their FTX investment as a loss. The firm is not the only investor to have lost eye-watering amounts of money since Mr. Bankman Fried's $32 billion empire collapse. FTX had an estimated 1.2 million registered users who were using the exchange to buy cryptocurrency tokens such as Bitcoin and thousands of others. From large traders to everyday crypto fans, then you're left wondering if they will ever get back their savings tapped into FTX's digital wallets. It's a dizzying downfall, and the rise of Mr. Bankman Fried is also its own dramatic story of risks, rewards, 
beanbags. Mr. Bankman Fried went to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, also known as MIT, a prestigious U.S. research university where he studied physics and math. But the young, bright undergraduate says it was lessons learned in the student dorms that led him on his path to getting rich. In a BBC radio interview last month, he recalled being swept up in the effective altruism movement. Effective altruism is a community of people trying to figure out what practical things you can do with your life to have as much positive impact as you can on the world. He said, so as Mr. Bankman Fried recalls, he decided to get into banking to make as much money as he could to give it back to good causes. He learned to trade stocks during a short stint at a trading firm Jane Street in New York before he got bored and decided to experiment with Bitcoin. He noticed the variations in the value of Bitcoin across different cryptocurrency exchanges and started arbitraging, buying Bitcoin from places, selling it cheap and selling it to other places where it was trading for more. After a month of making modest profits, he got together with some college friends and started a trading business called Alameda Research. Mr. Bankman Fry says it wasn't easy and took months of perfecting techniques about how to move money in and out of banks and across borders. But after around three months, he and his small team hit the jackpot. We were super dogged, he said to the Jax Jones and Martin Warner show podcast a year ago. We just kept going. If someone throws another roadblock, we would be creative. And if our system couldn't handle that, we would just build a new system to get us through that hoop. By January 2018, his team were making a million dollars every day. A business reporter at CNBC asked him recently how that felt intellectually and according to his methodology said it made perfect sense but viscerally it surprised me every day he said bankman fried became an official billionaire in 2021 thanks to his secondary and more high profile business ftx the crypto exchange grew to be the second largest in the world and a titan of the industry seeing 10 to 15 billion traded a day in 2022 ftx was valued at 32 billion and a household name with an nba stadium named after the company and endorsements from celebrity backers such as the nfl's tom brady mr bankman fry's dream of giving away vast amounts of money to charity was also under the way in the BBC radio interview last month, he claimed he had given away a few hundred million as of now, and his generosity didn't just extend to charities. In the last six months, the, quote, king of crypto was given another name, Crypto's White Knight. With the price of crypto cryptocurrencies falling in 2022, the so-called crypto winter is in full swing. While other companies in the industry have faltered, Mr. Banking Fried was handing out bailout cash in the hundreds of millions. Asked why he was trying to prop up failing crypto firms, he told CNBC, it's not going to be a good long term if we have real pain and real blowouts. And it's not fair to customers. He also claimed in the same interview to have $2 billion in reserve that he could use to help failing crypto companies. But last week, he was going around the same industry himself, trying to raise money and his own company uh, to save his own company and customers. Questions about the real financial stability of FTX begin swirling after an article on the Coindesk website suggested that much of Mr. Bankman Fried's trading giant Alameda Research rests on a foundation of largely made up of a coin that sister company of FTX invented, not an independent asset. Further accusations that Alameda Research used FTX customer deposits as loans for trading were made in the Wall Street Journal. The beginning of the end came through when FTX's main competitor, Binance, publicly sold off all of its crypto tokens linked to FTX a few days later. It sparked a run on FTX with panicked customers withdrawing billions of dollars from the cryptocurrency exchange. Withdrawals were halted and Mr. Bankman Fry tried to get a bailout with Binance at one stage publicly considering a buyout before walking away. Binance said, Reports of mishandled customer funds and alleged U.S. agency investigations had swayed its decision. A day later, FTX was declared bankrupt. With characters like Elizabeth Holmes and now Sam Bankman Fried, as much as we decry American exceptionalism and technocracy, uh, it feels like a bedrock in Western society. What say you, Pascal Robert, about this effective altruism and our kind of love? for these heroes that will save us from ourselves i think that this is just really another example of capital capitalist realism run amok and this guy was basically marketing a glorified ponzi scheme that was you know 
rooted in neoliberalism. The idea that you know the rich will write checks to solve all our problems, and the fact that they even have the capacity to solve all problems without depending on the public square as a thoroughfare to address the needs of the society is ultimately the neoliberal agenda, marketizing everything that we have wrong, marketizing everything that's problematic to individuals who are already quote unquote the technocrats, is the neoliberal agenda, all your all you know, all your all your woes. So I see that the whole existence of these individuals is problematic. I found it interesting that this guy, uh, SBF, uh, Freed, was the second largest donor to the Democratic Party in modern history, which is interesting in and of itself. There's a video of him talking to Bill Clinton and Tony Blair on a stage about the, the, uh, the, the benefits of cryptocurrency. It's incredible. Um, I also found it interesting that he donated to the GOP as well. He did donate to the GOP as well, but he's got a disproportionate track record with the Democrats. Why do you think that is? Well, that's a very interesting question. I mean, he's young. I mean, I think that maybe he thinks he can get more bang for his buck. The Republicans are more saturated with their already existing millionaires and billionaires who Mm -hmm. are in a certain market. Also, he comes out of a kind of new text, new kind of tech sectory kind of uh, uh, industry, which I can see why the, the, the liberals are more appealing to those. Uh, I mean, I'd be interested to see who uh, Jeff Bezos gives more money to. Well, he's he's now part of the giving pledge as well. Um, I don't know if you saw that, that he recently, I think I sent that to you guys. He recently said that he's going to give away his entire fortune of, you know, what is it? $120 billion or whatever. To charitable causes <clears throat> but part of his goal which i found interesting there's a few things i found interesting about this was to um push to deregulate markets and give more freedom to crypto trading to kind of allow things like ponzi schemes be legal um bernie madoff who has the biggest ponzi scheme to date would killed himself in prison correct um, and that went on for how many years was Bernie Madoff doing that Ponzi scheme? That was like during the uh, the, the heyday of the uh, two thousand, right before the two thousand eight crash. Yeah, and I think it was only due to the crash that it really came to light that it was a Ponzi scheme. Correct. What say you, M. Toussaint, on effective altruism? <clears throat> Excuse me, effective altruism. It's like what an interesting thing for a person to come up with. I have in my notes while I was reading altruism for ambivalent objectivists. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? It's like, it's not even, well, we can get into altruism laser, but it's like, if you're really into Iron Rand, but you're not sure, <laughs> you think you want to go to heaven, uh, then you'll try this kind of thing. Um, I don't know. It's not real altruism at all. And I don't even know why they would include a word like that. Real altruism doesn't, doesn't even involve these things. I mean, the, the, the fake thought experiment is literally taken almost verbatim from the Peter Singer, um, who is a biotech philosophy professor. The father um, of this of this this movement. Yeah, mm-hmm. he kind of is the father of it. And when I watched the video of the pond theory, as he calls it, you know, um, it was about. He literally said the same thing. He said that there's a child drowning in a pond, but you have your good shoes on. And I thought to myself, what? Why would that stop you? Why would that even be a thought in your? That is. Literally something a, a former friend of mine who was an objectivist said. We were walking down the street. Quick story. Story time. Um, we were walking down the street and uh, we were going to get some Chinese food at the secret Chinese food spot. And That does sound very horrible for your colon. <laughs> no, well, Chinese people eat there, so it's super dope. Um, and really it. cheap. <laughs> There was this guy who was walking with one of those carts, you know, where you sell soda and bagels and stuff in the morning. So this is afternoon. 
and he was about to hitch his thing to some car and you know get out of town mm-hmm. so he's walking but then the cart starts to tip and then eventually the car does tip over but he tries to save it and ends up hurting his hand and all this blood starts shooting everywhere Jesus. not to be morbidly obese about it but yeah it was a, it was a bloody scene and on this day i happened to be wearing light khaki pants <laughs> and leave your r&b video shoot <laughs> from my R&B video shoot with my black tims and my friend was like but seriously when he was falling didn't you think about him getting blood on your pants and i was like no what the hell is wrong with you you're a sociopath I, it, it is to me it's like a sociopathic thought like when i w- i watched it three times and then i read the transcript to make sure that what i was watching i was hearing correctly yeah because what he said but you have on your good shoes and then he pivots to like oh there's kids dying and from malaria and i was like why do rich people love malaria why do they love africa <laughs> What is it about Africa that they they always go to and they're like, look at these naked, fly-infested colored people? We shouldn't say that all of Africa is fly-infested with naked colored people either. (laughs) Naked colored people. Don't you want to save them? And then Sally Struthers just kind of comes from the ground. (laughs) With the price of a cup of coffee. Yeah, just two fly-infested, bald little children with distended bellies with her. And she's like, don't you want to save these? I I don't. I Watching that and trying to wrap my head around this whole thing and then kind of revisiting uh, the, the book about, because I actually have, I think it's called Blood Games, uh, the book about Elizabeth Holmes. I find fascinating because one of the things that these stories kind of they'll mention and they never really get into the weeds on is the fact that all these people come from ridiculous wealth and have crazy inroads um, to to powerful people. Um, Elizabeth Holmes was able to get a phone call in to the CEO of Google mm-hmm. as a student. She never finished Stanford. You know, this guy, it took him a few years to make a billion dollars because he just met up with some friends. Who gets to have a business idea like that and make that kind of money unless you're that close to ridiculous amounts of wealth? I mean, Bill Gates can't be Bill Gates without his parents. Steve Jobs, like the list of these people that we look at and get put on these pedestals of being uh, geniuses and captains of industry are rich kids. And most of them not even Yeah. And they don't even have like their own uh, ideas. Elon Musk. Another one. Mark Zuckerberg is not a working class cat. I think they've been able to rework the rags to riches American story and just kind of move, move the starting point. (laughs) Um, But they don't belabor that point at all. Uh, It's a little bit of a sleight of hand and they get away with it. They get away with it. Actually, rappers are better examples on average, probably of being rags to riches stories. And they do come, they have come to represent neoliberalism in some very uh, intense and strange ways. But yeah, I think. And and do you think that's kind of a contradiction in the, in the music that also spills over into our love for these characters? And I say love as a society. I don't mean just the people watching the show. I understand a lot of people watching the show probably despise these individuals we're talking about, but a lot of us do love hip hop. Um, and hip hop is pretty freaking neoliberal. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear Pascal's riff on this. Please. 
Well, I mean, it's true. A lot of us love hip hop. A lot of us love popular culture, and popular culture is a reflection of capitalism. The culture industry is a tool of capitalism in American society. Listen, it's it's not an easy conundrum to really work out. I mean, I listen, you know, this this music from the eighties and nineties that I like, old school hip hop, R and B, you know, seventies black exploitation movies, things of that nature, R and B. You know, I'm still entertained by that stuff. But the question is, can you maintain a balance between being entertained and not be sucked into a position where you're deluded into believing that this stuff is not being created in an industry that is trying to promote capitalist realism so that you find the ultimate means of production that create these avenues of entertainment to be to be satisfactory? Because once you do that, then you surrender to it and you start doing things like thinking like Wakanda forever is some kind of redemption for black people. <laughs> but what is SBF and Elizabeth Holmes then for the greater society? Because both of these people seem pretty fraudulent from jump. Um, and they hadn't really proved themselves anywhere. But they get these great cover stories in fortune magazine like they both had cover stories in fortune magazine these are both massive frauds in less than 10 years apart like well, this guy go ahead i'm sorry you didn't recognize the massive fraud with elizabeth holmes because she's a lady person how are we supposed to establish a pattern here she threw us off wow Not <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's you. That's some shots fired there, M. Tucson. <laughs> so you think it's some kind of like re reversed kind of gender exceptionalism that facilitated yeah. her as a woman, a white woman, mm -hmm. being able to get away with her capitalist exploitation? That if she was a man, she would have been more quickly prosecuted, maybe. Obama. <laughs> Obama has a rags riches story around him that is story not true. Of. It's not true. Yeah. He's not rags. No, mm -hmm. never was. One of the most expensive high schools in Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, well, we know that. Teray Reed writes about that brilliantly in Towards Freedom, but to a lot of lay people, Obama is a bit of a rags riches story. He's a single mom, black dude. My cousin is convinced. Uh, Bill Clinton has more of a rags to ridges story. That man went for broke. <laughs> and his wife. <laughs> and his wife. Talk about get rich or die trying. Those two. <laughs> so whoever can make the Bill Clinton 50 meme, we will make that the next show <laughs> Bill Clinton with the hat to the side. <laughs> That's what's up. You know, again, a non-geared Adas talks about this in Winner Take All in the final chapter of that book. Um, and I know some people might have weird feelings about him because he is a bit of a liberal, but I think that book is important to really understand the mentality of this new breed that really does feel that the only way they can make substantive change in the world is through the business sector and is through making gajillions of dollars. And if you look at someone like Bill Clinton, who is a boomer, his generation believed that it was going to be through the electoral arena that you can make true substantive change. And part of EA's uh, ethos is that people kind of know that electorally, it's a dead-end street. You're not going to solve any real crises like you know child mortality in uh, developing nations and even uh, housing in our own nation it must be through uh, the private sector and these smart people that went to smart people universities how does that reflect the way even we on the left see something like electoral politics as well well, that's the, the the reason why these kinds of programs are ultimately the epitome of neoliberalism in that they're designed to tell you that government cannot work. 
So we need to have the market to be able to fix all our problems, even though we have criminals and shysters who come along every five years that demonstrate that lending these institutions to gov to private sector control ends up having people getting ripped off all the time because the private sector divorced from government control is going to be ripped with, ripped with fraud. You guys remember when the housing market crash happened mm -hmm. in 2008 mm -hmm. and they were talking about the woman, Brooksley Braun, who came from a financial services institution mm -hmm. who was doing the investigation of all of the, all of the uh, banks and the derivative was, markets. Yeah. The derivative markets. There was an episode where they talked about how she had to argue with Alan Greenspan and Robert Rubin to get them to agree that fraud was a problem. <laughs> I'm not sure I mean, what you mean by that. <laughs> no, because they didn't. For, for for them, fraud could be considered a natural risk of business. Mm -hmm. A certain amount of it is tolerable. Exactly. So this, this goes to let you know the kind of people we're dealing with here. These are supposed to be the regulators. What do you think the individuals are at the institutions who actually call the business makers are doing? But what does that say to a populace that has pretty much walked away from even trying to have any sort of real oversight of the proletariat, if you will, of things like financial regulation? Like, who even knows who is the chair of the SEC? Who's the current chair of the SEC? It's a good question. You know, it's it seems like it's one of those things that it's presented to us as something oh so complicated that we, I can hear someone typing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, we're on, out there. who that bitch is? <laughs> we're on the internet. It's Robin Oldenstam. <laughs> as of january uh 2022 but but do you do you guys feel that way that uh it's presented to the masses as this uber complicated system of exchanges um that these smart people will take care of well go ahead uh, hmm. sure um a few years ago, I came across a lecture about the word smart mm -hmm. and how much heavy lifting that word does. Mm -hmm. We we allow people to look at Bill Gates as smart. Therefore, he should interfere with the education system. Mm -hmm. Therefore, he should interfere with um, charities and nonprofits and tell people where their money should be spent. Um in in I watch a lot of British media mm -hmm. and in the UK they'll use different words. They'll use words like clever. Sometimes that's the more appropriate word. Um, intelligence works. Different kinds of intelligences can be pointed out. But for us, we use the word smart quite a lot and we allow it we allow it to do much more heavy lifting than it should. We, we In our minds, there's no boundaries for these smart people. They should be running everything. I don't know what your question was. <laughs> <laughs> That's my rant on smart. I do hear it, you know, and there are studies that are done <clears throat> in the United States and in other countries where it's like, what do you want your child to be when they grow up? And Americans say smart. And in other countries, you know, not to set up this kind of binary, but parents will say things like kind god forbid mm. your kid is kind in the united states but smart covers so much that means your kid's gonna be rich one day i can tell you as a smart adult no <laughs> no it doesn't, doesn't work like that <laughs> but people do treat smart kids like they're gonna be rich one day either i know my you. brother yes are you going to be working for me kind of thing? Right. Smart. You know, giving your kid a baby Mozart so they could get their brain waves in tune. It was baby Einstein, by the way. And I there gave it to my daughter and 
I, we sat her in front of it and we're like, look at it working. <laughs> Toys that play with themselves. Look, How look much at fun look, is that? watch other white kids play. <laughs> we have to compete with the Japanese kids. That's what my mom used to say. <laughs> That's why I have to eat all my rice. I have to eat all my food because we have to compete with the Japanese kids. Not because there was poor people in your home country, but because Japanese people are eating more than you. Yeah, and they're smart. Smart, but no one, no, one asks, no one asks competent. You don't hear competent. Oh, you're so smart. Are you smart? What competent? Competent is tough, man. That you're asking a lot, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like that's asking for extra. <laughs> In this climate, it's like, yeah. Who is competent? Most of the people we well, see. Well, obviously, these technocrats are showing themselves not to be these "quote unquote" smart people. Mm-hmm. So, what does that mean for the people in general? I feel like this story is mildly getting snickered at, especially by people in in our world on the left. It's like a snicker, like. <laughs> But, you know, real people get hurt by these financial crashes. Real people lose everything. There um, there was a, a, what do you call it? Some, some pension for some teacher's fund mm-hmm. was in FTX, one of these um, crypto exchanges. And that's incredibly sad. They shouldn't be, they shouldn't be in the stock market. They certainly shouldn't be in crypto. And again, with people's is, pensions. I don't think people really understand that because I don't know how many people have ever seen someone retired have to go back into work. I remember when I was in the Gulf of Mexico, I was there mm-hmm. not long after a WorldCom in Enron. And I did work with and, and also the folly of the travesty of what happened to those people that lost everything in uh, Katrina. Mm-hmm. I, I worked with a man who had to come out of retirement at 75 because his pension was gone. And I worked with a man that had to go back to work after retirement because he lost his home in Katrina and he went with a out of state contractor who sent him fake pictures for a year. And when he came back to his house, nothing had been done and he was out tens of thousands of dollars. So, this resonates with me because I've actually been with real people that have been damaged by these people. You know, again, I'll say the movie Pretty Woman originally was written by a man who was spending his time trying to write scripts in all night donut shops in L.A. and was meeting prostitutes that were coming from flyover country that were getting their towns devastated by corporate buyouts and consolidation. So pretty much like Gordon Gecko type characters. And the original premise of Pretty Woman was that when he would talk to these women, they would talk about the weekend trips. And I think the original title was like $3,000 or the weekend or something. And it's about a woman that is supposed to make $3,000 for a weekend uh, with a Gordon Gecko type character who does who is a corporate raider and not kind of a lovable um, hard ass that the story gets changed to be about. But you know, these things definitely have real consequences. For sure. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, movie Catch Me If You Can. Yes. About Frank Abagnale. Mm-hmm. A true American. You concur? <laughs> I concur. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this guy was able to scam his way into being a pilot, a doctor, mm-hmm. you name it. And yeah, he was smart too. He he had some intelligence in order to be able to to pull those things off, but there's something fundamentally American about it. And there's something about it where Americans are still kind of proud, um, even if they got got. Like, oh, at least it was a good scam and a good scammer that got me. Um, 
why yeah. why is that though like especially with you know grifter is thrown around so much and you guys know me personally you know i hate that word because i think it's just thrown around to people you don't like and they're not really scamming you and the real grifters in this world no one ever wants to call out like lou perlman who made millions of dollars with nsync and backstreet and all those other groups mm-hmm. he went to jail for robbing old people of their pension money yeah that's what was keeping him afloat it wasn't those dancing teens it was robbing old people of pensions it's such a shame and no and again you think someone's a grifter because they say the wrong thing on a fucking show like that doesn't make any sense to me there's real scammers out here that are causing destruction on a massive level I had, in my, you know, schooling, come across um, some talk about the early 1900s and how there were so many bank robbers around that time. Mm -hmm. And even Bonnie and Clyde, like all of these people. Um, And what they would do sometimes is they would rob the bank and then they would give some of the money away. Just that little Robin Hood aspect. You're going to get a lot. You're going to get support if you get a Robin Hood type of thing going on even though you're taking the people's money out of the bank you're giving some other people the um, some of the money people in the u.s used to cheer on bank robbers and they wouldn't tell on them they wouldn't snitch and this reminds me of hip-hop quite a lot mm-hmm. there's a there's a guy <laughs> that whose uh videos i've been watching a lot lately charleston white <laughs> <laughs> And he's like known as being a professional snitch. Um, Oh, that's the guy you sent me. That's the guy I sent you. Yes, but he has other better videos than the one I sent you. You can still like him. Um, But he, you know, he's confronted in some of these interviews like, yo, what about Boosie? Um, he's, He's doing good stuff or something like that. And he's like, no, Boosie got bodies. And he let somebody go to jail for him. Mm. All this kind of stuff. And he's telling the truth about these things in a way that confronts, I guess, the average rap fan. Because we were celebrating the drug dealing, the gang banging, this and that. And he is like, that stuff is actually not cool. You need somebody to say that. But that's not American. That's not American. Well, isn't that part of neoliberalism, though? Like, you know, there's this thing where, you know, there's there's not everybody is selling dope to feed their family. Some people just want Jordans. Okay. Right. Some people just want shit. Mm-hmm. And the same streak that goes through SBF and Elizabeth Holmes goes through these people as well. Yes. Should we look at them differently because they may come from impoverished backgrounds? Mm, I don't know. I like putting them on a continuum with all the other American hucksters. Mm -hmm. Also American serial killers because, you know, a lot of them scheme and they're not upfront about what they're doing. The The more important question to me is that how do we create an environment if we want to envision our politics becoming a reality in this society, where we can change the framing in which people look at these individuals and stop looking at them as heroes and people to be looked up to and realize that they are the class enemies that they really are, who collude with the ruling class and they are part of the ruling class and set the terms for the economic immiseration of most of society. That's a more important question. That goes for rappers, that goes for you know, all of these guys who are doing the cryptocurrency, financial executives, you name it. Because we we are trained in this era of capitalist realism in this country to, to admire these people who are literal class class enemies, whose job is to inure in, in us with the belief that capitalism is going to save us instead of immiserating most people in this country. Is Jay-Z a class enemy in that sense because he comes from somewhat more humble beginnings and definitely uh has a bit of a rags to riches story right i wouldn't and, say any more or less but he definitely is 
and his drug dealing is supposed to you know it was it was a means to an end and now he is in a position of some power i think he's a billionaire isn't he yes so they say um, so is he one of the class enemies that you're you're talking about as well? Absolutely. He's a person of capital, Pascal. You feel no, no connection to him. He's also a person of color. And oh, those are the words. Those that's why you have them out mouth. They've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I guess that's my question. All of them don't become billionaires. But again, that same streak, this is just kind of part of, I feel like this is kind of part of Americana, this this need to love the greed. And that's why America is the center of capitalist exploitation in the world. We are, we are good at promoting that lifestyle. Yeah. And this um, effective altruism also points to capitalism and says, this is what works. Don't do politics. That's dumb. Say it again. <laughs> Don't mess around with that politics. That's dumb. You got to get with this right here. And it's just double downing, uh, doubling down on, on capitalism some more. Let's make individual purchases and um, give individual you know, pots of money to charities. And they'll even have a critique on capitalism. You know, I think we were joking mm -hmm. in the chat, you know, the effective the effective altruism of anti-capitalism. <laughs> they'll even call themselves like anti-capitalists. They'll they'll point yeah. out the failures of a of a flawed system, but then be the beneficiaries of it. Well, one of the critiques of the effect, I keep thinking it's elite capitalism, elite charity, no, mm -hmm. effective uh, altruism. Um, one of the critiques of it is it doesn't get to the root of problems. Mm -hmm. This is very surface level. It's sort of, a, I guess, how an executive approaches charity and helping people. It's line items on a budget. It's moving things around. It's not really getting into the cause of the problems. If there are people who are starving, then the first question, environmentalism and uh, environmentalist, Wangari Matai taught me to ask is what happened to the people's food source? Mm -hmm. That needs to be the first question these people were here they had to have been eating now they're starving what happened to their food source what's Ooh. usually the answer something environmental someone poisoning the environment mm -hmm. uh, like oil spills in nigeria this kind of stuff happens all the time what are you gonna say pascal this is a shady way to try to avoid the question of wealth redistribution mm -hmm. it's wealth reallocation not wealth redistribution what, is, what do you mean by that? You reallocate your wealth to a nonprofit foundation center mm -hmm. that allows you to get a tax write-off instead mm -hmm. of you being taxed for your money and directly sending it to poor people who need it. Mm -hmm. Well, what if these yeah. programs fail because of these poor people and they just get lazy? What if the poor people get lazy? <laughs> what? <laughs> What do you mean by that? The pro the programs fail because the poor people get lazy. Never heard that. Um. Well, I would say no. This is <laughs> this is part of the intention. The intention was like to feel good mm -hmm. and to say you did a thing and to be contributing to a thing getting better. I don't know if they care if the people get lazy and don't do the thing they're supposed to do. It's like I, 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 I did the good thing. I moved the, the item on the budget and done. That's the difference <laughs> between charity and mutual aid, right? I mean, charity is once you give it, you can walk away and you did your good deed for the day. Didn't charity used to be associated with religion? Mm -hmm. 
and and a set of morals and values and ethics this feels divorced from anything really it does not feel like it where is this because it's not real altruism where is this altruism supposed to be coming from they don't explain that they're just like i see there are problems hmm technocracy let's, right? <laughs> let's throw money at it yeah no i feel, yeah. I feel you Pascal. it's technocracy mm -hmm. there are problems and these people will solve them look how smart they are they come from the elite institutions they know the elite people and they will solve um these massive problems. I have read that social Darwinism took off in the United States in a way that it didn't in other countries. Why do you think? Um, I think it has to do with like American exceptionalism, manifest destiny. We deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. Other people don't, and we need an explanation as to why. Mm. So back during the whole eugenics movement, this became one of the vestiges of that. And it's still here. You still heard people say, you know, stupid people are reproducing at a crazy rate and smart people will only have like one kid if they have a kid. The movie like, Idiocracy, that's kind of the basis of the movie, right? Dumb people is. reproduce and smart people can't because they're making smart people decisions. And dumb people will ruin the world. I mean, that's literally what that movie's about. Yeah. I mean, everybody loved it during the Trump years, but you know, in the context we're talking about it now, I'm sure it makes Mike Judge look like the kind of basic liberal that he is. Hmm. I uh, I once read a book called "Program or Be Programmed." I forget who it was by. It's a very short book, almost like a pamphlet. And it's about not thinking people like Mark Zuckerberg are smart, basically. Not thinking that they're geniuses and understanding that you you can do what they do too. Take a shot at it. Um, part of it, part of the problem is just getting into the mindset of thinking that you could, you know, and this person was like, I'm, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be a genius to be a programmer, please. Jack Dorsey's not a genius. <laughs> you know, and sometimes you sometimes you need to hear that. There isn't enough of that kind of message going around. That would probably do more good than some of this ethic altruism. This um I keep getting it wrong. It means nothing to me. <laughs> These two words. <laughs> what is, what is it? <laughs> effective altruism. Effective altruism. I, I don't think it's effective. It's not supposed to be. The whole premise of it to me is not supposed to be effective, but it is a great way to raise money. There's exactly. tons of documentaries about Haiti and the problem with charity. There's tons of news articles you can read about it, but it still exists in that country. Mm -hmm. Fast fashion. There's all. It has a name now. That's a bad name. H&M stores are still in every major metropolitan area in every major shopping district that I see. What it is it about changes. Okay. It's all about mm -hmm. Shein now. <laughs> Which is even worse, right? That stuff is yeah. probably so toxic. You know, a part of the fast fashion doc, they're talking about Wilson's leather is so bad that it's polluting this water in Bangladesh and all the kids are coming out with nine eyes and heads like a soup bowl. But Ugh. Wilson's mother still exists. I've never seen anyone protest in h and I'm sure it happens. I've just never seen it. But I remember people getting, you know, fake blood thrown at them for you know, walking into a, a Neiman Marcus in the, in the 90s. In Neiman, really? Were they wearing fur? No. No. Interesting. But Neiman Marcus was selling fur. Remember, uh, I'm from the Bay Area. That's, that's right. Where people wear fur, apparently. Primark, Born Center Cold World says Primark. If you're from the UK, Primark is like, I would say, a, a bit of a lower end H&M, and it smells like fake leather. 
once you Yo. walk in the door it's it, it's a powerful scent was it you i was telling when i was in china i went to a leather mall it's like four or five stories of just leather some of it's real a lot of it's fake and you can smell the place from across the street well now when you say fake you're talking about like the synthetic stuff that's just so filled with chemicals that we're talking about not like leather yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's horrible well, one of the things I noticed in, in looking through the effective altruism articles that you gave me was there seems to be a, a split feelings versus rationality. Mm -hmm. You were giving wrong because you were giving with your feelings. You need to take yeah. this rational approach. It's super technocratic. If we can find a statistic then uh and and we can have science behind it um i'll read you this and then we'll go mm -hmm. not everything that is beneficial is measurable this is from dr justin hacker mm -hmm. on an article he wrote called why i dislike effective altruism there's a classic story about a development project that was seeking to improve school enrollment. As part of this project, community leaders were paid in response to the proportion of children that attended school. The project was a phenomenal success with rates of school enrollment increasing to near 100%. EA, effective altruism, would no doubt have championed this project as one worthy of support, except that eventually someone actually visited the project. What they found was classes of 50 or 60 children with no teachers no teaching no resources simply children sitting in empty classrooms with nothing else going on these children were enrolled they just weren't doing any learning in response an ea advocate might recognize that school enrollment is not the relevant measure but rather the number of teachers or quality of resources but again that is not what really matters. What actually counts in education is learning gain, but that is actually far more difficult to measure and depends on a huge range of other factors, including prior learning, valid and reliable tests, and an, and an appropriate measure. In the UK, we have been trying to measure learning gain for the last 40 years and still haven't quite found a solution, let alone even attempt it at higher education. My point is that, as soon as we choose one thing to measure, then, unsurprisingly, the efforts of the providers go into improving that measure, and that measure alone. This problem is even more significant when we consider some contingencies that are highly relevant to development outcomes, but perhaps by definition, unmeasurable. How, for instance, do you measure someone's sense of dignity and self-worth, or community relations, or sense of entrepreneurship or resilience? All this matters for development, but not according to EA. If we can't measure it, we should discount it. And therein lies the problem. I agree. That was a very yeah. good article. <laughs> that was a really good read. And I know you put it, there's links to that article in the chat for those of you that are going to rewatch it and for those of you that are going to listen to the show when it comes out on the audio podcast there will definitely be uh, links to the articles that we read on the show and that we used to research this topic thank you guys for joining us for those of you that are patrons thank you so much for helping this show keep running we'll see you guys on the other half what say you about effective altruism let us know in the champagne room mm -hmm. let us know in the comments if you are not a patron how you feel about effective altruism what did we miss what did we get wrong what is your answer do you, you think like scammers <laughs> do have you guys seen good? my grifter documentary that i made <laughs> if not watch it True. Watch the JT Leroy episode too. Oh, the JT Leroy. I went back and watched both documentaries again. Yeah. Wow. Because I they hit me so hard because I think this is the moment that we're in is a JT Leroy moment. It really is. I mean, it's amazing. Elizabeth Holmes 
you think is the lesson. And it doesn't just stop with her. She's just a bigger name. Right. How many other names do you see where there's these little cute documentaries made on people that, you know, so-and-so lied and said they were a famous Russian heiress and built these people out of $100,000? How are you able to do this in 2022? Right. Where you can Beyond find out everything about a person. Right. Just people because you got pictures with famous people? Yeah, that helps, right? I got pictures with famous people. I don't put them up that much, but it's like, so what? Social proof. I don't, if you have a picture of like, you know, John Elway in your kitchen making a peanut butter sandwich, then I might believe you. But if you have a picture at a gala with a politician or a quote unquote famous person, anyone's going to get that. Why would I believe that you're an heiress? Because you act like an endorsement. (laughs) Really? Turning my whole world upside down here. Turning your whole world. I'm sorry. That's what she said. She did. She did say that. (laughs) We can talk about that on the other half as well. Okay. No, my brother. Just kidding. That being said, thank you guys oh so much for hanging out with us. And we are Kings. Out. <laughs>